0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Hofcast. boom, week after week, <laughs> two in a row, <laughs> we're doing it people, uh, I've got a great guest on the podcast this week, um, and we'll get into that in a second, right now I'm just, I'm still getting my sea legs under me, I'm starting to feel better, um, almost up to 100%, I do still have a lingering like little chest congestion, but we're all good here. Got a bunch of shows this weekend with uh, Cable Guy. So if you're into that, uh, we're in Mayetta, Kansas, Lake Charles, Louisiana, Battle Creek, Michigan, and Grantville, Pennsylvania, all this weekend. That's September 2nd through the 5th. Um, and then later in the month, I'm doing Canyonville, Oregon with him and Helena, Montana. And then I got side splitters, big week at side splitters in Wesley chapel, Florida. So get those tickets. Those are on sale right now and get those. So I don't look like a jackass. Um, that's, it's a brand new club up there. So let's, let's blow that out and make it great. Um, then October 8th. And 10th, I'm Bricktown Comedy Club in Oklahoma City. Get those tickets now. They're available and uh, not on sale yet, but Tacoma, Washington. Look out for October 17th. That's a Sunday, but I got three shows. Bing, bang, boom. Three opportunities to come see a show in Tacoma, Washington. I will let you know when those tickets are on sale, and uh, we'll be releasing more tour dates as we come along, uh, developing new materials. So come out and hear uh, what I got on the docket. What are my fresh thoughts? uh i'll tell you what my some of my fresh thoughts are i got um i, I get <laughs> we got back from the road you know two months of the road and the uh you know it starts to stream in nowadays when you've gone across the country and back is um all these tickets you've received from going through toll booths because well we're in a little pandemic so we can't keep people in the toll booths heaven forbid they be outside working you know four feet away from a guy that drives up you you can have a mask like i don't know there's no excuse to not have people in those booths because people are coming from out of state i don't have your little easy pass i don't have your sun pass your i zoom i don't have any of that stuff so i have to pay cash and if you don't have an attendant there i can't pay cash so then i just go through them and then they send you a little letter in the mail like whoops you went through a toll and you didn't pay. It would have been 17 cents, but now because you didn't pay, it's going to be $37. And you go, okay, come on. Like, I understand you had to mail something out, but, like, just charge me for the stamp. Charge me for the letter and get off it because you are saving so much money. The, you should not be charging me extra because you're saving money not having somebody in that toll booth. But by the way, let's not even get into the fact that toll roads are a humongous scam, a turd on fire. Like, get the hell out of here. You're going to charge me just because you were able to find a better route? Like, I'm already charged by the United States government. They're the ones that make roads. Like, get out of here with this undercut. Like, I don't like it when they're interstates. That should solely be the job of the government, and you can't pay with it with a toll. We all pay with it with our taxes, so get the hell out of here. I'm going to charge every damn car that goes manhattan so by the way to get into manhattan those of you on the east coast are like yeah that's what it is but just to get onto the island uh from one of the bridges or one of the i guess it was a tunnel we went through was like 18 bucks i'm like and there's so many cars going through there i'm like every single car you are charging 18 dollars for like you've paid for this tunnel a thousand times over like this is a crazy money-making scheme here I Anyway, whatever. Toll roads, you guys are like, so what? We got the sun pass. We live in Florida. Shut up. Okay, yeah, if you live in these states, it makes it... But if you're from out of state, they should just be like, all right, this one's on us. That That's what it should be. It's like, you get two on us. Once we record your license plate more than twice, now you should have called an audible. But if you're not going to have somebody in there working... And, by the way, going from... Oh, where was it? It was going from uh, Delaware... We're driving through Delaware, which I don't I don't know if I'd ever really spent time in Delaware, but we were driving through there and, and we get into uh I forget where we got into, um but we drive into the next place and uh, we hit a toll, and I go, hey, how do I pay that last toll? And he goes, and so many expletives. Comes out of this guy's mouth, he's so pissed. Yeah, they don't have anybody work at the tolls. Like, he must have had some cousins that have been fired from those toll booths, and he was so mad. And I go, okay, and he goes, well, they're going to send you a bill, and when it gets to you, it's going to be overdue, so you're going to have to pay, you know, overdue charges. And he goes, tell them, when you went through the machine that took your picture, they didn't give you an effing receipt. (laughs) um that didn't help me anyway uh so they just keep rolling in I just keep paying them I don't even question them you know most of them have a picture of my license plate it's like here you go yo $17 here you go yo $24 here you go yo $6 and you're like all right all right it would have been a lot easier had you just had a guy there instead of having to track me down via my picture but what the hell anyway we're back in Los Angeles and we're doing our thing here and And I'm still going out on the road every weekend, so I mean, I'm vaccinated and and feeling okay about it. You know, I had this cough, which everybody, you know, a couple people were like, "Hey, man, what's that? (laughs) Don't worry, it's not the dreaded 19." Huffy's doing all right, and he's he's on the mend, so things are good here. And uh, without further ado, I want to bring on my guest, uh, just a, a super likable comedian. Uh, based out of New York. I don't know him that well, but I've I've talked to him a couple of times on my Sirius XM radio show, and he's just I talk about it. And I, I maybe I mistook it like he is a, a very intelligent guy, but I guess I get I used the wrong term. What I meant to say was he's worldly. He, he like has this understanding. You know, he lived in in China for a couple of years. He just has this understanding. Of the world as a whole that I don't quite grasp, but I'm I'm fascinated by. So we have a, I mean, I didn't plan it this way, but we really talk a lot about him starting a business overseas and the whole uh, escapade that went with that. So uh, give it a listen. I hope you like it. If you like it, give the uh, podcast five star rating on iTunes. You know, write up a review if you feel so inclined. All that stuff helps brings up the algorithm. So that we can move up and, and increase our audience. Increase the world of Doom Doom Bip. Uh, you know, we're just trying to bring happiness in the world that seems like it's falling apart. So uh, do that and enjoy my conversation with the very funny, very likable, very affable Turner Sparks. Doom Bip! All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Hofcast. We're rolling strong now, and I am joined today by a very funny comedian. Uh, Turner Sparks is joining me via Zoom. How's it going, Turner? Good, man. What's
1: up? Thank you for having me. I Absolutely. To you on Larry's show multiple times, but multiple times, but not one-on-one here. So. I know. This is a little <laughs> bit different. It's
0: like, it's like uh, we're friends of friends, and then all of a sudden now we're getting together without the other friend.
1: Yeah. Feels a little weird. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. But also I feel like we'll get to talk, you know, there's a lot of, there's a, a lot of, I love that show, but there's a number of people on it. So you get sure. limited. Uh, everybody gets a couple minutes,
0: right? Exactly. Exactly. And in yeah. that few minutes, and we're talking about, uh, Larry, the cable guy's show on uh Sirius XM, which we both do from time to time. And, uh, And in the limited time that I've gotten to know you on there, I was like, I got to have this guy on my podcast because we have lots of comics on there. And comics, by and large, are a smart bunch of people. But you seem like a different type of smart, if that makes sense. Like, you're not smart in the way that, uh, well, I think you're also smart in the way that comics often are, where they can see society from a different angle. But you're also, you also just seem like a traditionally smart guy. (laughs) Thanks, man.
1: (laughs) Is that fair to say? Like, are you smart? I don't know. I mean, I'm like the dumbest one in my family, so that's not. I would. I I didn't grow up (laughs) thinking I was smart. Let me tell you that much. My brother's uh, a U.S. diplomat in the State Department.
0: So then that automatically makes me the dumb one. That makes you the dumb one. Is that is that it? Just two you and your brother? Two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you sized up him and you said, "Okay, I'll I'll be in his shadow." Exactly. I'll be a comedian. Well, no, that's why I tried to be funny. Right. Right. Right.
1: If he's spouting out all this smart stuff, then I bet like the only way I can get attention is by like trying to make fun of the smart stuff he's talking about. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Undercut the smart guy. If you you're not going to outsmart him. So you got to <laughs> figure <laughs> out another way in. If you know? can't outrun him, trip him. That's <laughs> exactly. What- <laughs> and what about uh, the parents? Are they
1: uh, uh, high minded folk? I I mean, we just, it was like one of those, my dad's a a, a CPA accountant, has like a firm in Sacramento where I grew up. And my mom was a, a travel agent her whole life, ended up opening a travel agency, but she leads trips two times a year. She still does it like around the world. So she'll pick like a random country and take like 25 people to that country for two weeks
0: as their tour guide or something, or as just no. they're like, I, I booked us this tour over here. Come with exactly. me. Yeah. So she sets up
1: all the hotels, all the tour guides yeah. and all the activities that people can decide if they want to do or not. But she was doing this pre-internet. And so it was all right, stuff right. like it was all, I got a friend in Indonesia and his friend owns a hotel and they're going to give us a deal if we take 25 people to that hotel. So it was a lot of like, Traveling around the world, making sure. connections.
0: Okay, know? and then so did you grow up traveling then?
1: Yeah, yeah. We grew, well, they didn't. know. We were kids, so they would most of the time not take us on these trips. You know, okay. they'd be like, "You're staying with grandma." You, <laughs> is that who? Who is that who you had to stay with? Yeah, we which was fine, you know. But but they would come back with all the all these stories, and then. Uh, eventually that led us to be like, well, we want to see what's happening in these places. So,
0: right. We yeah. That. Well, that was going to be one of my questions because uh, you have lived in other countries, yeah. which is like kind of baffling to me as somebody you grew up in Sacramento, lived there your entire life. Yep. And then one day you were just like, I'm going to move to China. Uh, Yeah. Pretty how much. Did, how did this happen? How did this happen? Cause you've talked about it a little bit uh, on other shows we've done, but I, I, I'm, I'm baffled at that decision. Like what, what spurred that? Like, so
1: what ha- I went to college in Miami, Florida, university of Miami. Sure. And as then, far away as you can get
0: and still exactly. stay in the country. My brother went to
1: Syracuse in upstate New York. You're just getting the Miami. heck away. Yep. Yeah. It. We were not like going to college in California for us would have been like the lamest thing ever. Yeah. I because well, grew, grew up in Nebraska. Up I went to school it. in Indiana. I was like, I just got to try something different. Try, exactly. Try something different. See different people. Like all the, we didn't, we were just like, well, if we go to school where everyone we knew from high school is going to school, then what's different from high school. Exactly. You know? exactly. And so we're like, let's try something else. And I went to Miami and it was all people from New Jersey. And I loved it. You know, <laughs> it was all New Jersey in the state of America. So then I did this thing called semester. My brother had done it first. This thing called semester at sea. Oh yeah. In college. I had some friends that did that. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you go on a, it's like, should be illegal. Uh, right. Right. It doesn't make sense. You go on a cruise ship around the world for a semester. <laughs> Is college
0: to- dangerous? <laughs> Let's put it's- it on
1: a boat. I mean, when my brother was on it, these guys died. They were uh, a number of people I think died. Like, a couple guys tried to like jump off and they're like, Oh, like let's jump off the boat and then we can get back and then like climb back up and get back on. Like jumping like off a cruise ship. It's a cruise ship. Yeah. It doesn't so look gone. like it's going fast, but it's, it's booking. Yeah.
0: And uh, one guy
1: they like rescued, but I don't know what happened. And then other people are like getting, you know, across the street and get hit by a bus in India. And you yeah. sign so many waivers before you go. Um, so you go to 10 countries in a semester.
0: Okay. And you go,
1: you start like Miami, you end up in Seattle and you go around, around the world. Uh, So I'd done that. And that gives you like a snippet, like a preview of like all these different places, you know? Right, right, right. Like five days in a country or something, four or five days. And I just liked Asia. And uh, I was either going to move to Japan or China just because I wanted to like experience life in a totally different culture. Okay. And just what, see what it was like. What are your parents saying about this? My dad was like, he was like, move to Japan. So my, <laughs> he's like, he goes, <laughs> he's like, you're not moving to China. China's a communist country. People disappear in communist countries. Okay. So, so they had like, because the, they're worldly. So they weren't like, don't leave Sacramento. Right, right. But they still had that parental aspect to it that was like,
0: We'd rather not. Japan's Europe.
1: as far as you can go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: And I didn't get into this program I applied to. Like, I didn't get into it in Japan. I was going to go teach English. And I think I, like, applied too late, and you could only apply once a year. And I, little did I realize, you could have just shown up there and gotten a job, and, like, everything would have been fine. Is but, that right? Okay. Uh, yeah, because there's English. T- I was going to teach English for a year. There's, there's a bazillion companies that will hire you
0: and not speaking a different language, you're going. Just you yeah. only speak English, right? Or like at the time, at
1: that time, I only spoke English.
0: Yeah. Okay. And high school Spanish. That's baffling to me that you think that people can teach someone another language without. I guess. I mean, I guess I taught my kids. They had zero language, and I. There taught you them. go. But but it's start that, with that's ball. been a painstaking process.
1: <laughs> no, well, so what I did there. There is a program that teaches. It's like a five-week intensive program. Uh It teaches you how to teach English to people where you don't speak a common language. Okay. And there was one, so it's called TEFL teaching English as a foreign language. Okay. And so you take that class and then it gives you like real basic knowledge. It's not enough, you know, but it gives you basic knowledge and the certificate that like you're approved to do this. And then all these companies will hire you because you have that certificate. you know. Right. So I was going to do that. And there was one option to do it. I think San Diego State offered it as like a summer school class to go take. And then I found this American lady in China who was offering it in China. So the idea being come take this in China and you get to stay here for five weeks included as like room and board and everything, you know? Yeah. And then that gives you a preview of this country. And if after five weeks, you don't like the country, you're not locked into any contract. You get your certificate. You can move on to whatever country you want to use this same certificate around the world. Okay. I was like, that sounds good. It was American lady doing it. So I did that class in this random city called Suzhou, China. Against your dad's wishes. No, he settled on, Oh, you know what he settled on? So I was talking to my brother at that time and he was like, I was like, I want to go to China, but he doesn't want me to go. And my brother is like, you know, he's an older brother. He's like, you know what? Dad's like a business guy. This is 2004. He's like, just tell him that like, businesses you're doing it you want to learn the chinese so you can do business one day okay and sure. that it, or international maybe international studies have that, yeah you have that option open to right, to do business right. and that wasn't the case at all i was like a journalism major i didn't know what i wanted to do i wanted to like go hang out i wanted to continue college i didn't want college to end so sure. the best way to do that is move to another country and teach english you yeah know? yeah yeah it's like another semester abroad but you're getting paid for it basically <laughs> and so I told my dad that, and it worked. He was like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Business. That makes yeah. sense. Business. And so then, boom, we're in. And we so bu- then...
0: <laughs> that's, what I, that's how I went to college, because I knew I wanted to do stand-up before college, but I was like, oh, I better wow. get a degree. And so I... Business school. I was like, I can't argue with this. Everything's yeah. business. Oh, that's what you did. Business. Everything's yeah. business. I'll do business. <laughs> Where'd you go to school? Indiana University. Ah, who's Hoosiers. Yeah, yeah. Coach Kelly Knight, School of business. Coach what? Coach, Coach Knight. Knight. Yeah, but he yeah. he left the year before I got there. Like people were still obsessed with him that had been there, but he left he the year the before best, I got there. Um, his
1: like leaving when he got fired from Indiana. Uh huh. His speech was
0: the best speech I've ever heard in my life. That wasn't the bury me upside down, was that it? That was that was yeah. that speech. Yeah. Bury me upside down so so critics can kiss my ass. Yeah. It's pretty funny.
1: (laughs) And like the whole crowd was like, yeah. Now he got fired for what he was like throwing chairs at kids or something. It was like bad. He choked a kid. He choked choked a kid, kid. which is like
0: what you could get away with before the Internet.
1: Yes. Well, Uh, and he barely he didn't get away with it in the end. He did for like a decade. and then Well, because the Internet
0: was there at that time. Like he got fired, I think, in 2000. And uh, that was like the beginning of good internet. He was the first guy canceled. You might be right. He Bobby was early canceled. Can- <laughs> I mean, do they call it being canceled if you're choking people? I mean, like is it he fired. <laughs> I mean, some people. There's people now who
1: are like, uh, like, do do you hear that? The this is off topic. Sorry, but the horse, um, some horse was using steroids that won like the Kentucky right, Derby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then did you see what the owner of the horse said when he got oh. caught? The owner of the horse was like, another example of cancel culture, run amok.
0: <laughs> no, no, this is just cheating. This is just cheating. <laughs> so that's, I can see LeBron getting foul or fouling somebody. Like, oh, you can cancel me now. Cancel culture. This, this is, is the issue in America. This, this is Boncos.
1: <laughs> okay. Anyway, but I love Bobby Knight as like I would love a WWE bad guy, you know?
0: Yes. yes. I was just like, that's a good speech. So I'll bet he went on that. I'll bet he, I'll bet he was on the WWE or whatever. I would what imagine right. probably right? dropping yeah. chairs. Yeah, that would be great. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's, they line up. Makes sense. <laughs> okay. So, so business, you go into China, teach this class, and then yeah. you just you fall in love with it or what? Yeah. So my
1: brother had done the Peace Corps and that was like two years. It was what is a two year commitment? What's, What's that? Is a,
0: what is the Peace Corps?
1: Uh, the Peace Corps is like, um, It's like the military without guns. No, I'm just kidding.
0: It's uh, you go and you, you
1: go, it's like a volunteer thing. They send you to some other country, the US government does, and you do whatever missions they have, not some
0: kind of humanitarian outreach,
1: humanitarian, you're rebuilding houses or you're, my brother was in Bulgaria and he was trying to get, he, his, his job was to get internet connected to the city, the town he was living in. They hadn't had internet yet. Okay. So anyway. He was there for two years. And to me, I was like, I don't want to do the Peace Corps because I don't want two years seems too long. Right, right. I want to go yeah, somewhere for weeks. like a, a year. Yeah, five weeks. And then if I like it, a year. And then okay. I'm out, you know. And so I was, so I, we found this thing. So I went to China and um, I liked it. I liked the town. I was I was in the city called Suzhou. That's where I took the class. Okay. And not only did I like it, but then they were sending at the, your last week of this class, all the training centers in town, the english teaching imagine the english schools like you would take guitar lessons in america okay so it's not a school like an actual like you go to school you know right right it's like a center where the teachers work and students come in for either one-on-one training or you might teach a small class to like 10 kids yeah but it's all at this like like music lessons would be you know yeah just in some and guys basement some guys basement really yeah. birding
0: <laughs> like come on in, bro. Right on. i right gonna learn
1: Freebird. <laughs> so, uh, they started. So, like the fourth week of this fifth week class, these schools kept come, keep coming in, like the boss from all these local schools, and they're recruiting us okay. to come work for them. Right. Because what I didn't realize at the time is they had way more students wanting to take classes than they had access to teachers. Sure. So all of a sudden, you're the star in town. And they're all coming in with like, you feel like a like a high school athlete who like yeah, Duke's yeah. coming in Indiana, you know, and they're all offering different things. So this one guy, I remember he offered me, it was like a signing bonus of $500 and a scooter, electric scooter <laughs> that he would okay. buy for me if I can. And I was like, I'm in, you know, I, I, did like a LeBron announcement. I was like, I'm going to take my talents. Right, to right. shade. Put your Industrial. hat on. It's just got a picture of a scooter.
0: <laughs> like, I'm Put going to scooter on. you. Everybody's like
1: clapping around me. It's on local TV. Nice. So I went to, so I did that for a year and um, I was going to leave at the end of the year. Right, right. And then about nine or 10 months into that year, we decided to try this Mr. Softy ice cream truck business. Who's We? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So my roommate from college in Miami, uh-huh. his grandfather started Mr. Softy ice cream trucks, okay. which is an East Coast brand, New York, New Jersey, all the way down to Florida. And they have like 700 ice cream trucks wow. up and down the East Coast. And it's the biggest ice cream truck brand in America. It's called Mr. Softy, buddy softy money it's yeah. there's a eddie murphy has a bit about the mr softy truck right okay that's
0: mr softy that so he mentioned no mr softy he's like
1: you guys got the mr softy man in your neighborhood well i got mr softy you know wow and it's been around <laughs> since the 50s there's a layer there's a Kirby enthusiasm episode about
0: the Mr. yeah Softie i've heard truck. it before i have you yeah. know i don't didn't grow it's up it's just the East something coast, if I've heard you grew up
1: around it you think everyone in the world knows it and if you didn't right. I, I was like you i'm like i think i've i know it from pop culture maybe sure so um, so your
0: college roommate is throwing like that's his pickup line to chicks. He's like, have you heard of Mr. Soft? Of course. Well, that's my papa. <laughs> you like ice cream? <laughs> you you like truck hey, over little girl. You like ice cream? <laughs> Good God. All right. So, so you so he's not living in China, though. He's, no. he's still in Miami or wherever the heck. Yeah, he, he's New in the Jersey. U.S. New Jersey. And uh, he calls you up. He's like, we should open up a truck. In yeah china. he's like hey you
1: ever thought of like doing business in china and because at this point now it's like 2005 and okay. these articles are starting to come out yeah. that hey china is going to be the future of business but it's very early you know sure that's where that's where it's going to happen one day and he was like hey what it, or no he was like hey let, we should do business he was a business major yeah and i was a journalism major so he's like, Hey, we should do business. And I was like, okay. And he was, our first idea was like, what about handbags? Like you could buy all these knock. It was an like illegal business. Our first sure, concept
0: sure.
1: <laughs> there's fake Chanel bags that I can buy and send them back to you. And you can sell them for money on eBay as you, know? you do.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: You can sell them for money. And so we're like, I don't know, that might be a little dicey. And then we're like, what about, so I, th- I don't know if he suggested it or I did, but it's like, what about Mr. Softy? Why don't we try that? And we're like, okay, let's figure out how to do that so we got a third partner who was a, a chinese guy i knew okay who we brought in because he at that time was like 30 years old he had opened a cell like a micro a chip microchip company for cell phones okay and they were worth like right now everybody's dollars.
0: ears just perked up microchip where are you putting this
1: what? yeah <laughs> uh, is, this going? is it in the back i can trust yeah i can tell you this he was putting um this is 2004 uh, the motherboards you know the green little boards yeah yeah yeah. so he was putting this is pre-iphone so he was selling them to like nokia and every single random cell phone company that doesn't exist anymore right right thinking. anyway he was a good business guy and we're 23 years old and he's 30 so to us he's like this guy right knows he knows everything. what he's
0: doing he's older yeah so
1: the three of us decided to give Mr. Softy a go, and um it worked. so we opened a Mr.
0: Softy truck now it, are you able to do this because of your uh roommate's connections like Grandpa's like, yeah, go ahead, use the name whatever you want oh. or or did you had that had it been sold at that point you had to still like pay franchise fees what yeah that works so we came up with
1: the idea and i was like oh this is gonna be great like alex's dad alex is the guy in miami his dad jim conway he's just gonna like give us the business right right because why wouldn't he you know sure and then we went and met with him we flew to new jersey so jeffrey size the chinese guy so the three of us uh flew to new jersey and had a meeting with him jim conway mr
0: softy Mister softy himself
1: yeah. So the grandfather started it and then retired and his son took over. Right. Sure. So that's my friend's dad.
0: Mr. Softy Jr. will see you though.
1: Mr. Softy Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we had a meeting with him, and I was like, all right, here's the plan, here's what our market looks like in our city. There's eight million people, there's zero ice cream trucks, there's zero ice cream trucks in the country.
0: Yeah.
1: And but but also all like uh McDonald's at that time was super popular. A bit, they, they, their ice cream was so popular that outside of every restaurant McDonald's, they would have to have a separate window on the outs of for the, the outside, cream. like a drive up window, but just for ice cream. Wow. Cause there'd okay. be like 20, 30 people at all times waiting in line to get their soft serve ice cream. The Chinese people aren't fat, but they really want to be, they want, well, they're getting <laughs> there now. They're catching up.
0: <laughs> they're all on their way.
1: <laughs> and so, I was like, we can do this. We can kill it. We have, Mr. Softy has way better flavors than McDonald's and we can go big. And he's like, Hey, sounds great. Uh, I have, so my idea was he would pay for it. and We'd be like his general managers, you know, sure. yeah. me with zero business background, no business degree in college. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm going to run a company. And he was like, all right, well, sounds good, but I don't want to take this risk. But if you guys want to do it, you can buy the franchise rights for me, from me. And I was like, right. ah, okay. And then he gave us like a super good deal sure. on buying it. And we put together some money, like the three of us, and bought and he also let us pay it out over a really long, like 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're like, so it was low risk or going in. And so we're like, yeah, let's do it. The three of us started a company, um, learned all about like we based it in Nevada because taxes were lower. And then that company opened our Chinese company. So we're learning all this crazy international business stuff, started it, got all the gov- the local government. Jeffrey Side got the local government to approve all of our contract, all of our um, whatever, permits and everything. Sure. And we started a truck in 2007. We opened our first truck and it just like exploded. Sure. Like, I wouldn't even say overnight. Like the second we put it on the street, there was a line of 20 people waiting to get ice cream.
0: That's so strange to me because ice cream trucks when they come up are sketchy in America and we know what they are <laughs> like. We know like it pulls up and I know what it is, but it's still it's got that you know, whatever the song is that it's yeah. playing. And you, it's always like some guy with a little window that he opens up. You're like, ah, oh, you're probably molesting people, but I, yes. I am hungry like how are you selling drugs in a drugs place, in a place where exactly? Yeah. Or he's panhandling something else. But in a place like China where this doesn't exist, day one, you're beep, 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 doop, doop. They just come up and start buying. Or are they looking at like, you like, what in the world? Second one, they come up
1: and start buying. So we had this grand opening party that the guys from Mr. Shanti in America all flew out for. And we took, we uh, invited some local media, took a bunch of pictures, shot off some confetti. Right. Right. And then the truck drove away to its first spot, which is a tourist, a lake in the middle of town that has this like laser light water show, Vegas level thing every single night at 7 PM. So we drove straight to that. We parked. And then we had to have, uh, both windows open. Normally an ice cream truck has one window open. Right. 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 We opened both windows because there were so many people and we had 20 people lined up on each side of the window. Wow. And we had normally an ice cream truck has one person working on it. We had two because we had the guy, no, I think we even had three on that first night and it was the guy just literally pulling out cones. Yeah. The guy taking everyone's money and then someone, the guy pulling out cones would hand the cone to somebody else. He would dip it in the chocolate or whatever, put the sprinkles on it, whatever it might be. And I, I think we sold like 3000 cones in three hours the first night.
0: Yeah.
1: And what we learned. So backing up a little bit, when I went to get all these permits, I had to go meet with government officials with Jeffrey Tsai. We'd go to all these government and they were all old guys, old Chinese guys. Didn't speak speaking from the old, like, the old communist kind of regime, you know? Okay. And didn't speak English, didn't know much about Western culture at all. Didn't, didn't care. It's like smoking cigarettes during the meeting indoors. You'd go to their office. They wouldn't have a computer. (laughs) It would just be the newspaper, like very old school,
0: right? Drinking tea,
1: smoking cigarettes, reading the newspaper, you know? And these guys had no clue what an ice cream truck was, had never heard of it, didn't understand why we would want to, So I remember when we explained it, I was like, yeah, we're going to sell ice cream on a truck. And the first guy goes, why? Why wouldn't you just sell it in a store? Right. Right. You know? And to them, the way I thought it was later is it's like if a Chinese person came to us and was like, Hey, I'm going to have a dumplings. I want to sell dumplings, but I want to sell them in a castle. Yeah. And you're just like, like it was that foreign of a concept. Like, okay, but why? Sure. Yeah. About
0: the castle. And then these guys would be like,
1: is this going to be safe? So you want little kids to run after a moving vehicle? Shh. Is this safe? And I was like, well, if put it like that. Probably not, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> We've okay.
0: seen the Eddie Murphy bit. Yeah. Is anything <laughs> like this.
1: <laughs> and so, but then when we actually put it on the street, so they approved it. Then when we put it on the street, it was the exact opposite with the, with the younger generation. They all knew what it was. And we found out later that they had spent their lives watching. If you're 30 years old or younger at that time, you spent your life watching American movies, taking in American pop culture. They all knew it from pop yeah, culture yeah, yeah. in America, but had never seen one in person.
0: So now there it is. We got. To so drive. they were just
1: stoked. Like, whoa, this thing's here. Okay, so day one, you're blowing up. Are you in the truck? Are you one of the guys working the truck? I was standing outside. Uh, no, not day one, I, but I was day two, and and I would go on it at least once or twice a week. Okay, there after that day going forward for the first few years.
0: Wow! And so, so it's crushing. So you're looking at, and you're just you know rubbing your hands together like Ebenezer yes, Scrooge. Scrooge McDucking it. Yeah, <laughs> <We're> swimming through gold. <laughs> <Imagining. laughs> <laughs> and so, how long? So that's truck one. I assume there are other trucks that came along.
1: Yeah. So based off of truck one, we ran truck one for a year and then went and raised money. Okay. So that was just our money. The three of us put money together, you know, build gotcha. a truck. We did that for about nine months and then put together a plan, raised a bunch of money from people who were like, we're going to take this big, you know? Yeah. We raised money and that got us to up to um,
0: 12 trucks. Gotcha. So Mr. Softy Jr. at this point was not like, okay, that's proof of concept. Let me fund this for you guys. You went outside of that. We went outside of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He still was. Yeah. But we had
1: a number of people. It was, it was very, it was pretty easy, but we also, cause we had a year of, of proof. as right, you said yeah. proof of concept. Yeah. And this now is like 2008. The Olympics have just happened or about to happen. And this is when the world kind of learned about China as took it seriously as a business world, right. As a business place, like not just in the no business people, but like the average person. I remember when I moved there in 2004, I would go home and tell people and they'd be like, why, what, why did you move to China? What, what's right, China? Right. like it, to them? It's rice paddies, you know? Yeah. By 2008, everybody's like, Whoa, smart move. That's it. it's taken off. Yeah. And, uh, so we're doing that raise money, build whatever, 10 more trucks, something like that. Opened two stores and ten trucks. That's what we had. Okay. So twelve units total, and uh, and it was all going great. And we did that from two thousand eight to about two thousand twelve,
0: with no real problem. And you're thinking in your head, is this your life now? Yes. And yeah. stand up hadn't started yet. I started
1: stand up as a hobby. I started an open mic, early, the end of two thousand nine, early two thousand ten. In China. In China, in the town I was living in. You started yeah. comedy in China. Both in, in more ways than one. So I started my comedy career in China and I started the first ever comedy scene in Holy China. Holy
0: smokes. Okay. All right. Yeah, Unknowingly, right. So the second part I didn't know until years later. Gotcha. So you started this truck in 2007. Two years later, you started comedy as a hobby. But you're yeah. thinking, this truck is my business. This is my life. I am... The Chinese softy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the only issue I saw going forward was that um, getting permit, you had to get permit city by city and sometimes even district by district. Okay. So there might be six districts in a city. Think of like neighborhoods and everyone has their own little local government. And we're trying to figure out a way to get some umbrella permit. And that might mean by 2011, 12, we're thinking, partner with a real estate company or with some big connected Chinese company that's connected right. to the government that's dealt with all these bureaus before and can give us an over, overall overreaching permit. Gotcha. Because going one by one is, is tough. It's a lot yeah, of yeah. you're meeting with a lot of guys, drinking
0: tea, smoking cigarettes, reading the paper.
1: Yeah, and every single one, they've never heard of it. And they're like, why would we do this? And a lot of them aren't as friendly as the neighborhood we started out in. So they sure. might want to pay off to be able to do it or something like is that. Is that a real yeah. thing? Payoff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so you're just sure.
0: like sitting there stacking. What is it? Uh, It's the Yuan. Yuan? Y-U-A-N. Yeah. Okay. So you're just like putting that there till they stop smoking their, Till they stop taking a drag of the current cigarette. Uh,
1: We didn't have to because the neighborhood we start, we, but it was more like the neighborhood we started out in was a business, was a, like a f- forward thinking sure. neighborhood, well, they got,
0: which is, they got the laser lake.
1: They got the laser lake. Yeah. They flew in people from Vegas to build that laser. Like they wanted yeah. to be on the international map as like an okay. upcoming city. So we sold them softy that way. We're like, yeah. we're going to start here instead of Shanghai or Beijing. So you have the first ice cream truck. So that was enough in 2007. The guys were like, that sounds cool. That's going to get us some good press internationally. Let's do it. Yeah. You know? And it did. We were in the New York times and all kinds of stuff. So um, anyway, so should we get to when they became an issue? Yeah. Let's But I mean, you're not there anymore. Yeah. So let's 2012, the guys that had, that had approved us locally in 2007 have now retired. Most okay. of them. Yes. These new people have come in. We don't have any connection with them. I was not paying them off. I was not bribing them. I probably should have been okay in some way um, and i wasn 't. I was just kind of focused on well, the business is going great. Uh, we have these permits, almost took it for granted that these permits were new every year, and now i 'm thinking expansion let 's get into other cities let 's raise bigger let 's raise twenty million dollars and go national, you know yeah. or at least regional and these guys i hadn 't really made a, sh- a tight connection with the local guys, and now they're going, well, they see this truck making money, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, who's, how's he making money? They go, oh, we gave him money. We gave him permits five years ago. Well, who gives them the permits? Like, well, now we, we're the ones who give them the permits. Right, they're right. Like, all right, well, this foreign guy, why don't we just not give him permits and we can build these trucks and we can have our relatives, our cousins drive these trucks around the city.
0: Right. Right.
1: And so that's kind of in, over the course of two years, that's what they did. So step one is they sent guys to work for us, who we hired, because we we're always kind of hiring people, who
0: then copied did you people. know they were those guys at the time no. when you hired them? So we these are just know. guys that needed a job. You're like, Yeah, you seem good. Come Co- on come in. Come drive an ice cream truck. But yeah, they yeah. were connected to the government. We found out later on. Yeah. Okay. So these guys came and worked for
1: us, and then we started um they started stealing from us. Sure. And as you started think. We started catching them. Yeah. Uh with whatever. You know, they're putting they're selling an ice cream cone and putting the money in their pocket instead of in the cash instead of in the cash register. Right, stuff like right. that. We catch them, we fire them one by one. And as we're firing them, two weeks later, they're popping up in an ice cream truck that looks like our truck, parked right next to our truck. Yeah. And I know it takes two months to build these trucks. Sure. Like, how'd you do this in two weeks? And where'd you get the money from to do this? Yeah. You know? And So we started reporting them to the government being like, Hey, we have permits. These people don't have permits. So you probably want to just police your own neighborhood. Yeah. And they weren't policing the neighborhood. And they're like, wow, how'd they get the money? How'd they do it in two weeks? Why isn't the government stopping them? And then boom, I got a call one day from a contact of mine in the government. And he said, Hey man, you might want to think about closing down your business. Uh, I was in a meeting. These guys are related to the government and your permits are going to be going away very soon. Okay. They're going to st- take your permit away so you're now not competing sure. with yep. the people who we put in. right? And that's what ended up happening.
0: Looking back, was there yeah. anything like over that court, you said the new guys came in in government and over the course of two years, then that happened. Was there any time looking back on it where you were like, oh, they were trying to get me to grease the tracks or something like and they just show up in mm. the truck and be like, oh, things are going well, huh? So there was it's one yeah, well. there was one thing in particular that I don't
1: know um if these were all the same people, but I did get called into the tax bureau office okay. at one point. And this guy so we had an ice cream truck that parked outside, it just parked in a city center area, right? Like a downtown area. Yeah. And was super popular. Always had twenty people outside of it. At lunchtime, everybody would flood out of the offices and come and get ice cream. Yeah, And the tax bureau main office was in one of those towers in that neighborhood. And the guy called me one day and he goes, Hey, I need you to come to meet me at my office. I never heard from this guy before. Okay. So I'm like, okay. So I go down to his office and I take uh, someone who worked with me with worked with us with me. And he said, "But you're fluid at this point. So
0: you're cool. Like I am,
1: but I always take a backup, especially if it's like
0: if it's technical business, something. I don't understand our tax language in America. So I can't yeah. imagine ex- understanding what the tax guy is saying and in China. A
1: lot of times you have this thing, if you if you speak a second language, where if you're casually hanging out at a bar with somebody and they, they're telling you a million things. And you might understand 75% of it, but yeah. you're still kind of, you're going, yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. And then every once in a while, you realize you agreed to something that you didn't sure. realize you were agreeing to. Yeah. And it usually it's like, oh, that's why the fajitas are on the table. You know? Yes. Sure. But if you're yeah. at a tax bureau meeting, you don't want to be agreeing to something that you don't know you're agreeing to. Exactly. Right. Okay. So I take someone for backup and the guy says to me, he goes, all right, so we have evidence that um, you've been cheating on your taxes. Oh, um. but which is not true. We had not, I paid every tax dollar. Right, like, right. Okay. But here's the thing. Most people in our the business environment I was in cheated on their taxes. Sure. Very common. And then what also was very common is this guy would just cold call companies and be like, you're cheating on your taxes. And then they would say, okay, okay, how much do I owe you? How and he would say $100,000 and they'd say, what if I give you $20,000? And he's like, we have a deal, you know? Oh, okay. So you're cheating on your taxes and you say, and what do you, how do you handle it? I say, I'm not cheating, but feel free to prove me wrong. How do you think I'm cheating? Where's your evidence? Yeah. And he says, well, I see your ice cream truck downstairs and it has, uh, like 20 people at all times waiting to get ice cream. And I did the math. And if 20 times, however many hours you work in a day times 365 you're not paying as much in taxes as you should be paying. Which, by the way, is not the government's <laughs> job to sit there and
0: estimate this is how not many people all. are in line. I've and I'm extrapolated like, that.
1: I'm like, this is insane. This is one so truck. So that's for week. sure a shakedown. Uh, for sure. <laughs> we have 12 outlets. We had other outlets that weren't making any money. All the money funnels back to the same head office that you pay right. taxes not based off of one truck, but on right. overall
0: expenses. You never we get a letter from rent. the government like, we've seen the softy truck. I Twenty mean, people. You're open eight hours a day. Yeah, and we also you have a headquarters that has
1: you know you have to pay rent. That, yes, that, you've got that investors. offsets. Yeah, that all offsets tax dollars. And so I was just like, oh well, then no. I mean, we're not. I was like, we're not anyway. But we're not. He's like, well, and then I was like, we're not. We're not doing this. We're not cheating on taxes. Yeah. Um, and your calculations <laughs> are wrong. Can I go now? And he was like, well honestly, I just want to be friends. And he this goes, what he said, oh, this is what he said. Oh. Yeah. And he goes, I'm just looking for a way for you and I to be friends and for us to work better together going forward. And so, and
0: are you understanding this or at is that point this just I'm understanding? Hindsight. I'm okay. understanding at that point. And I okay. went,
1: oh, and I was pissed. Sure. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if we're going to be friends, but. If you want to do if you want to audit me or something, come audit me. Yeah. I got to get back to work. It's a busy day. Can I leave? And he was like, "Okay, you can leave." And, and
0: two years later, no, no more track.
1: <laughs> By the way, then we did get audited sure. every year from then on. Yeah. And we never cheated on our taxes, but they were at our office for 3 weeks at a time every single year checking through everything. And eventually, and so what I think is That was probably an opportunity to give him maybe like a thousand U.S. dollars. Right. And then have an ally going forward. Looking back on it, that's just the way business was done. And I probably could have done that. I probably should have done that with the other government guys. The guys who gave us the permits in 2007, they never asked for anything. They would also call me sometimes, the old grandpa guys. They'd be like, hey, my granddaughter, I took her. She loves your ice cream truck. And I told her that I'm the one who approved you and she's so excited and this is great, you know? And I would just take those calls and be, oh, that's cool, thanks. But I never took them out to dinner and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wonder if just some free ice cream might have made this problem go away. I wonder if maybe when the guy wanted to be your friend, you could have been like, well, here's a special little card. You show this at any of our 16 locations and you get a free cone.
1: I know, probably stuff like that. I mean, looking back, it was, I was I was coming in with like this American mind of clean business, and yeah. that was like a square peg in a round hole. You know, is that an American mind? Is clean business? Well, is I don't know. How... I, I didn't know anything about business. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I didn't have a business
0: degree, so who knows That's what I funny. had seen
1: on TV? Is like we don't.
0: Was there any problem ever between? So your buddy from Miami, Mister yeah. Softy the yes. uh, Third, Was he? Did he ever spend time in China, or was he just the the U.S. liaison?
1: So he would come out, he never lived there. He would come out uh, at least once or twice a year and stay for a while.
0: What's that? For ribbon cutting?
1: For ribbon cuttings, yeah. Shake hands, kiss babies, (laughs) that kind of stuff. Um, But no, he would also, he was big on, uh, he was like, I've had like a finance background. And so he did a lot of stuff. He and I worked on the books all the time together.
0: Did he have a second job at this time or is he all?
1: He had a job. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. He had a job in the US. I was kind of the guy on the
1: ground running it day to day he was he helped with finance plus um frankly i had to learn all this stuff on the job so like he and my dad taught me how to like balance books and all that kind of stuff and do forecasts and projections and whatever cash flow statements right
0: right so when and, it all folds how are yeah. you able to handle loans your investors how how does that all work so there was the investors
1: i just had to call and or fly and go meet with one by one and explain it and we didn't fold until 2016. Okay. And it was about three years of really 2015 we folded. And it was two or three years of me. That that thing I told you where they sent people to work for us. Right, and then right. They, they stole from us and then we found out who they were. That was like a three-year thing. Gotcha. And so we were learning an extra piece of information every six months or so. But at the same time, we thought... Well, this is going, the business is still going well. We're going to expand. We're going to bring in investors. And in 2014 or so, we had a few different real estate companies looking to invest in Mr. Softy and then put us so we could avoid having to get government approvals, put us on all their private real estate. Sure. So they would own a shopping mall. Private property. Yeah.
0: You you could avoid, okay.
1: You could avoid government. permits, at least the street permits, you still to get a hygiene license or something, Sure, but you, th- those are easy. So they w- the idea was they um, would put us in their mall and they have a mall in like uh, 30 cities around China, plus they own apartment buildings. so They would put us in their apartment complexes. So we had it all. It was actually a pretty good plan. We had it all mapped out, Yeah, but then the minute the government, the local government started to be shaky. So now it's like 2013, 14, 15, And now it's not 2008 anymore, where everybody's excited to invest in China. It's this time where people are going. Well, the big issue with China, they can pull the rug out from any company at any moment if they want to. The government. this is
0: this is a new this is a new development in 2012 2013. A different uh, system was being put in place. Is that? Yeah. Well, so the
1: president Xi Jinping came. Okay. And he, the previous president, was named Hu Jingtao. And from 19, he was there for 10 years, but the guy 10 years before him and 10 years before him. So you had like a 30 year run of the country being open to foreign business, being open to kind of like opening up to the world. Sure. Slowly. So going from this like super closed off, almost like North Korea type place. I mean, not that extreme, but in the 1970s to where it started opening up in 1980. And it's a little more open, a little more open, a little more open, a little more open, very capitalistic. So you see Uh brands from around the world are there, you know? And then when Xi Jinping came in 2012 or 13, he was the first person to start going backwards and reining that back in and saying, well, we're now a powerful comp- country. We don't need foreigners anymore. Okay. So almost encouraging this idea of like, if you want to screw somebody over, screw them over. And it's, we need, let's, we don't need to help them out anymore. They need to be working for us or they need to leave. Okay. And so that just very quickly became the mentality
0: all the way down. And so they looked at your business as kind of like a leak in the ship, like you're, <laughs> you're letting money out of the country or it's going to somebody else.
1: Why should that go to a foreigner when it could come to us? Sure. Okay. Yeah. And so instead of seeing it as this shame that they were ripping off this foreigner's business, it was now flipped and seen as yeah, well, cause it's for us. It should be.
0: Right. He can go right. do that in
1: his own country if he wants to do it there, but okay. You know? um, And so, and it was really different. That's what these young guys at the local government thought and the old grandpa guys had the old concept. So even they were calling me and being like, Hey man, I'm retired, but I'm so sorry. I heard what happened to your business that these young guys are taking it. And yeah. it's just a shame and I can't believe it. And you know, gotcha. So this isn't a uniform thing that all people think like this. It's a, you know, country with, Everyone has their own dynamic thoughts. And is that the way it still is today? There, like it, yeah, it would be possible to do this. Okay. Yeah. So most people I know who had businesses there have left the country. Sure,
0: because it's just become less. It's become more and more difficult. So is there any way to reconcile that? Like, did did you guys just all lose your shirt on this? Then.
1: Oh, or? so I went around. So it was a three-year process, and even early on in the process, our investors who were Americans were kind of telling me, "They go, hey, man." This is your life. So I don't want you banging your head against the wall for years and years trying to save my money. Yeah. If I lose my money, I lose my money. These are also guys who invest in 20 or 30 companies at a time. Right, right. And they're hoping one or two hit, you know. And they all knew going in that the government could be the issue. Um, And it it ended up being the issue. But even our Chinese real estate investors who were interested in our company, they also knew more better than anybody that the government could be an issue. And okay. even though they wanted to put us on their private property, when they saw that the local government was pulling our permits and giving them to local people, it just scared everybody off. Sure. And so they kind of went, "Ah, I think we're not going to do this. We're going to look into something else."
0: You know. Okay. Gotcha.
1: And so yeah. we all so we just closed our we closed up and sold all of our trucks to our employees at the time. Who all wanted to take a tr- one truck each and go back to their hometown, in the village or wherever, and
0: run this ice cream truck in their hometown? Because, because these are Chinese people, they're like, "Well, I can get the permit."
1: Yeah, I can get it. Not Chinese maybe not people. in this big city, but I can get it in the town, the little town I grew up in, and I'll be okay. the one ice cream truck in my town. And and everyone knew it was a good business. We didn't close because we weren't a good business model. Do you still talk to any of those guys? Are they still a couple butt? of them? I do. Yeah, when I go back, I'll tell them like, "Hey, I'm back in town," and they're like, "Oh, I'll well, come in to see you," and like we'll have dinner or something. And they're okay. great. They're
0: doing great. They love it. Do you, does your time in China, and I don't want to open up a whole big can of worms here, but does, has your time in China opened up any perspective on like what, what the whole world went through here with like the, the Wuhan lab and stuff like that. Does it feel like, <laughs> it felt like there was some secrecy there and still is. And does yeah. it feel like, did you feel like you had a unique perspective on that or anything I guess, yeah, I've been to Wuhan a couple times. You sold ice cream um, there.
1: It is a Bat it's a rough town. Cream. It's a rough town. I'll yeah. tell you that much. Is it, it was, really? Yeah, it's like just in super industrial. Okay, um, smoggy kind of. It's pretty. I mean, honestly, it's like one of the dirtiest towns I've been to. Wow, just doesn't feel. And where I was living on the East Coast, these are like the big developed cities and stuff. Suzhou was fifty miles from Shanghai. Okay, so it's like Philly to New York. It's its sure. own big city, you know, and um, Wuhan was just a tough place. But uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I knew when I first heard about this, I knew like we're never going to find out what really happened. And they're at this idea that they're letting in, they let in like the, not the CDC, oh, the WHO came and did an investigation. Did you hear about that? They came to Wuhan. Okay. To, to, so there's a 60 minutes piece on it. China said, okay, well, this is maybe six months ago. They said, you know, everyone's saying we're not allowing people to come in and investigate us, so we'll bring the WHO and the World Health Organization. Uh-huh. They can come investigate Wuhan. And then they got there, but then the WHO said they were only allowed to see what there. they had escorts everywhere, and they were only allowed to see what the escorts would show them, and they weren't allowed to do any investigating, actually. It was – they were handed a self-investigation that the sure. team – The Chinese team did. No, we looked into it. We didn't find anything. Well, and then the WHO was like, yep, seems clear to us. And so they cleared them of all wrongdoing based off of that meeting. You know, the WHO wasn't like, well, asterisk on this. No, because because the WHO has has a lot of funding coming from China. Okay, I would say, I mean, I'm pretty I'm an apolitical person. I'm not on either side of this, but I just know. I'd, in some
0: things, I I have more expertise and more insight than other things. Apolitical to- is a good place to be, where you're just like I, I I I'm not a part of any of that. See, I'm yeah, anti-political. That's what me. I hate it all. I hate oh, all great. of it. Yeah, hate- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, oh, what just happened? Oh, okay. My light enough. That's up. Yeah, light. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, is the is the culture in China just so different than, cause I don't, I don't know. You look at it and you say, well, they're just people. There's yeah, people Can sure. we not work together. Is there no way that we can like, you know, people talk about just existing as a whole, you know, as a planet, as a whole. And you're like, well, can't we all just, you know, coexist yeah. and, and have like, and we can
1: on the personal level we can. I mean, I love living there and I've made friends I'll have for life. My wife I met in China, my wife's Chinese. Uh Uh, Her family's fantastic. Um, A lot of my friends are Chinese people still there. And I go back and see them all the time. And so the answer is obviously, yes. It's that governments get in the way sometimes. And they just, governments have their own interests. And sometimes they're competing interests. And that's kind of where we're at.
0: Right. But it's so weird because, you know, the governments are made up of the people. So you feel like, well, yeah. And you even see them here in our government here. You kind of like see a guy that you're like, I can identify with that guy. That guy seems like a normal dude. That's like not going to be this big overlord. And then you see the overlord types. and You're like, Oh God, that guy's got those role. And he (laughs) be like, man, man, if we could just fill all the places with people who are understanding.
1: Well, I think
0: in the U.S.,
1: The job a lot of times is to get reelected, right? And so you see
0: it because they're still like our current president, you know, in a couple of years will be will spend like the bulk of his time campaigning, not working as the president. I'm always like, you should not be able to campaign when you have a job. Of
1: course. Like that's like, hey,
0: hey, boss, can I can I take two hours because I'm going to go interview across town? Like, no.
1: yeah, Yeah, of course.
0: Do the job that we're paying you for currently. If you do a good job, you will get reelected.
1: Yeah. And that's like half the countries in the world that they're the jobs to get reelected. And the other half of the world has dictators. And those dictators aren't worried about aren't worried about getting reelected. But it's much more serious for them because if they ever lose power, they have a lot of enemies who will either want them want them out of the country or want them gone. Right. Right. You know, so it's even more intense for those guys. And right.
0: Dictators s- don't just like get the treatment of like a former president.
1: No, they don't get a pension. <laughs> I-, I don't think there's any pension for a former dictator. Get know?
0: invited to the new like the weddings, <laughs> the <laughs> They're not doing
1: $500,000 a night speeches. You know, they're just on the run for their lives. And so it's even more intense for them. So they're even more acting off of self-interest. Sure. And they might have been a regular person at some point, but now they're going. Well, if this lab leak, if it gets out that I was the one who messed this up, I might lose the support of my own people, and then lose the support, and then someone else might come along and want me out. Right. Right. So it becomes irrational.
0: Is there ever any fear about you say you go back to China? You know, several times. Is there ever any fear of unsafety there? Like being an American? Uh, No. There's no unrest between the Chinese people and Americans. There's no... No, no, not at all. No. Okay.
1: Um, It's super, super welcoming. Okay. So is inviting you. I mean, even when I first got there, people are inviting you to their house for dinner, um, telling you, like, they're very concerned that your family's not there. That's a big one. Like, you came here... And now at the time, I was 22. Well, yeah, you look like a child. I don't but know how old young. you are now. You look yeah, like you're yeah, 12
0: yeah. talking to me here. So I got to imagine a decade So a lot of people being
1: like you're here all alone
0: why are you here where are your parents where are your parents little child
1: yeah it's a lot of that and they go (laughs) well you don't have and they also the so like oh well come to our house for if you need anything do you know if you need to do laundry or whatever you know like and another big thing is chinese new year is like their christmas meaning like families get together and everything yeah and they will not let you have chinese new year by yourself okay Just like we, even if it's not my, so to me, I'm like, I'm fine. It's not my holiday, you know, even when I was single. And, um, but to them, it's like, if you were like, you can't have Christmas by yourself, why don't you come come have Christmas with our family? And a Chinese person going, why don't, what do I care about Christmas? I'm fine. You know, but still, yeah, they won't like, so every year you're getting invited like five different places for Chinese New Year to come stay at the house and stay overnight.
0: What was the biggest uh, culture shock? Like in my mind, I don't know why, but in my mind, like I'm terrified of going to an Asian country uh, with the, w- in respect to their food. Like, I feel like that's going to be so different. Like even the Chinese food that I eat is like American Chinese. Like, yeah, it, if I go to a nice restaurant in the United States and there's they still have the head on the fish, I'm wigged out. I, I, <laughs> I will not eat. I will not eat. Do you know, the eyeballs is like the most delicate. Dear like, God, do you give it to the guest? Yeah. And so you've eaten eyeball. I
1: think I've tried it. i I just, but you can also say like, Oh, I'm not a big, I've tried it and I don't like it. And then they'll say, no problem. No problem. You know?
0: Okay. Now that's a good way to
1: get out of it. I've tried it. I don't like it. Or the other thing people would say just had eyeball for lunch. Yeah. (laughs) I'm all stocked up on eyeball right now. (laughs) The other thing a friend told me to say early on is say that, um, I can't have it for health reasons.
0: I'm allergic. Allergic to yeah. Yes. And if
1: you say whatever you're allergic to, they'll be no problem, no problem. Oh, he's no allergic. Problem. And then they'll tell everybody, he's allergic. He's allergic. Don't. He's
0: allergic to the eyeballs.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. But my um, but wife's a Chinese cooking instructor, actually. Cookingwithyea.com. If anyone, okay. wants, she teaches online and uh, on Zoom and also in person. But no, the food's great. Um, culture shock. Here is the biggest difference going over there is that. You can do anything you want. The way I explain the laws, yeah. you can do anything you want on a personal level as long as you're not challenging challenging the government. So, meaning like you can walk down the street with a beer. You sure. can have a beer at 3 a.m. and walking around the street. Bars don't have closing times, um, so it's, it becomes this like crazy fun party environment. You okay. know, um, you're not getting. There are traffic tickets every once in a while, but really it's not like here. You're not police or are, are night are very nice. Um, there's no, uh, they don't have guns. It's, it's, it's very safe. It's a very safe place to be. So Nobody has have guns there. Like no one you has have a guns. gun. It's
0: very under the radar. No
1: one has guns and drugs are outlawed. Okay. So if you take away guns, you take away drugs. You do take away a lot of crime. Yeah. So it's pr- like petty crime, almost nothing. Almost nothing. I mean, like if you're in a real tourist trap, like bizarre, then there might be pickpockets. Okay. But those are very easy to avoid. You know, there's like one place in every town and you just don't go there. Sure. Um, beyond that, everything is cool, you know? And so wow. that's that's a big thing. Like comedians would finish a show and we'd hang out till two in the morning and they'd be like, well, my, my uh, hotel's five blocks away. Is it safe? And we're like, it's safe to walk across the whole city.
0: Wow. This time of night. Yeah. yeah, we didn't even get into the comedy club And I, I don't want to touch it Because I know we don't have enough time for it Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple more questions for you I, I really appreciate you sitting down And taking the time with me And I want to make sure that uh, everybody knows About uh, your, your big tour coming up Yes Double happiness tour Yes So double happiness
1: is the term in Chinese That me, is what you say when someone gets married Okay. Double happiness And there's a character for it It's like happiness twice And they put it on your front door how do you, you say a... it
0: in Chinese? Oh man, you can't even say even it. No, I double <laughs> happiness. These are basic words. <laughs> I gotta look that up.
1: No, because I will say it wrong. However, okay. say... all right, ah, crap, no. man. Oh, I don't no. remember how to say it. Uh, double happiness. Okay, There's double happiness. But also, it's my second tour. It's my second album. And uh, and the hour is about my wife and I stuck in uh, a one bedroom apartment in Brooklyn, New York, for the last fifteen months of a cool. pandemic. Yeah. And that's what the hour is about. So I'll be going uh, September 16th in Hyenas Comedy Club in Dallas. Okay. Uh, October 18th to 24th in Las Vegas at the Laugh Factory with Tom Rhodes. Doing- nice. With Tom. I love and Tom. And then, uh, yeah, he's awesome. December 3rd and 4th, Alameda Comedy Club in the Bay Area. And November 10th. Punchline Sacramento, and then a bunch of country clubs in between them, like a million. So if you belong to a country club, I might be
0: coming. <laughs> Watch out for Turner yeah. uh, when you're coming out of the 18th green. Uh, <laughs> look for him on the Double Happiness Tour, uh, turnersparks.com. That's it. Yeah, all tickets are available there. And Sparks, is that a real name? That's my name. This, this is your name? That's your real, mom and dad are Mr. Name. and Mrs.
1: Sparks? It's a stage name and a real name. Yes. Wow, yeah, that's Mr. a pretty Sparks.
0: doggone good name. Thanks, man. To be real. All right. Last couple questions. I love that your tour is called the double happiness, by the way. That's it's sort of a theme of this podcast is like when the wheels are falling off the world, we're just going to enjoy it. We're going to. Exactly. That's
1: also the meaning. Yeah.
0: You know, the. uh, So um, what's the what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Um, Pinpoint anything and you can take your time. Comedy advice or any, any just Advice that you think about like a couple times a year that you're like, Oh, I should do this because that, that, that turned a crank in my head that made me see that I should go this way. Well, there is comedy. Can I go with comedy?
1: Yeah, advice? Go with comedy. There's one I think about a lot, which yeah. is that uh, I did. I heard it on a podcast. It was not told to me, but Brian Regan said that um, this actually made me improve a lot as a comedian. He said, your job, if you're on a showcase or whatever, you know, your job is not necessarily to kill, because some some rooms it's impossible, sure. right? Yep. But the job is to leave the room in a better place than you found the room. Okay. So bring it up a level, right? So yeah. there are shows. I mean, I live in New York. You live in LA. We're doing a million shows locally all the time. There's time. Sometimes you walk into a room and everyone's it's not going well. Right. 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 And I, when I first got to New York, I was trying to, I would get, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to be the one I'm going to kill this room. Yep, yep. And then you tell your first joke and it barely hits. And then you're like disappointed. And then it goes off the rails because you're not feeling good about what you're doing. And now I just, I'm, I'm calm in that. I go, my job at the, the first, if the, if the room hasn't laughed once yet, then they're not going to laugh on the first joke or they might, yeah. you might get a chuckle and then you get a little more of the next joke and a little more and a little more and you leave it well.
0: Right. Right. Well, I feel like that's a life philosophy that's been like whittled down to comedy, but I feel I like think you it could, is. you could push that out to anything. Just leave the yeah. world a better place than you found it. You know, but that type. Yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Like yeah, you don't exactly. To cure all the things, but you know, be nice to the person next to you and all that. Okay. I like that. Nice and job. The other Brian, one Ranger. which
1: goes along with that is use the tools you have to make, to make your community better. Right.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, yeah.
1: I go to a church in a Presbyterian church and the minister was like, it's a very like, Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I go to first church, of Brooklyn, <laughs> <laughs> Presbyterian church and our minister uh, was, I was talking about, I do this like Friday night, zoom comedy show. It's actually, we're still doing it. It's called the living room show free okay, nice. on zoom. And she found out about it and started telling everyone to watch. And I was talking to her one day and I was like, you know, like, she's a, a, a black lady and is very involved in all the stuff last summer with the, the black lives matter and everything. Sure. Yeah. And in kind of like, she's doing a bazillion things. And I was like telling, I was like, I don't feel bad. Like I'm doing nothing. And she's like, well, you're not doing nothing. You're doing this Friday night show for free. where you bring happiness. That's what, how your, your, tools that can help when people oh, are stuck nice. in their house. Yeah. And I don't know that made me feel, I don't know if it's just better about your <laughs> <me feel> <laughs>
0: The, the small amount that I'm moving yeah. the needle makes me feel good about that. And it, it can be
1: life can be overwhelming. So right, so it's figure out your little corner where you can help in and do that.
0: Right. The uh I, I just read something the other day, and I I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, but it it kind of fits with uh, it, it was advice that I had just read the other day on an investing article. But it gave a Chinese proverb, so it kind of fits in here with oh, this. Cool. And it was the. uh It's the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. And I just kind of like that. It's like, that's great. You should have been doing things before because I, I procrastinate all the time. And so I'm like, and I always feel bad about, and then I just let it keep going. When we all feel like we missed out. Yeah.
1: Right. Like, Oh man, I should have started a podcast a decade ago. Yeah. I should have started comedy when I was 12 and not whatever age, you know,
0: everyone thinks they should have started whatever they're doing at an earlier age. Exactly. So it's like, now's the time. You're right. You should have, but if now is the second best time, I I like that. Uh, That's great. Okay. Here's uh, the second to last question is well, it's not really a question, it's just, is there somebody out there you want to give a shout out to uh, that you feel like deserves it that maybe doesn't get enough recognition. If it's a comic that you think's really funny that you like want to point people's eyes to, or something like that, or even, you know, your wife's cooking channel my wife's or whatever. Cook-
1: I'll give you 2 I'll give my wife her cooking let's do class. that. Say cooking that with- again.
0: Cause I didn't. Cooking with
1: ye Dot com. So Y E Y E. Cooking with Y E Y E. Dot com. Yeah. To learn Chinese cooking. And her name, that's her maiden name. Her name now is Ye Sparks. But that sure. doesn't cooking with yes yeah, sparks sounds terrible. Okay, sounds like you're going to get like sweet and sour pancakes. They've just been cooking something. with sparks. Yeah, but it doesn't sound Chinese enough. You want Sure. Say, okay. She, she does Chinese cooking. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Her and then I love Jared Fried. Do you know Jared? I, I know of him. I don't. I've never met him. He's one of the best comedians in New York City. F R I E D. Right. Yes. Ooh, okay. Yes, I think so.
0: Jared Fried. Uh,
1: Jared Fried is fantastic. It's his crowds are awesome. It's just like down the middle comedy. That's hilarious. And I've, I've never seen him not just destroy. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Check out Jared. Uh, that's cool. I'll I'll have to check him out too. Cause I've heard his name, but I've never run into him. I've never met him. He's so So funny. I'll have to check him out now. Here's the last question. Uh, and it's kind of, uh, like if you had, if you knew you were going to die, Mm. you you know, you're going to die. Uh, what is the last thing that you put out into the world? Like, say, say somebody comes to you and angel comes to you and says, Turner, you got, you got 20 seconds and, and nobody's around. You can't like kiss somebody goodbye, whatever. But you like, it's your deathbed tweet. What are you going to put out there? What do you want to be the last oh thing? My God, I I always think about that because I always like when I'm taking off on a plane, I always like tweet out some kind of like sappy, happy thing, like be nice to everybody, you know, just (laughs) because I I don't want to like go down in a plane crash and people look at my social media and they're like, the last thing he said was American Airlines can suck my (laughs) like, (laughs) like, I don't want that to be the last (laughs) thing. So I'm always like thinking about that. So what's
1: your deathbed tweet? It would probably be, you know, subscribe to my Patreon. Ah! Even in death, have you have you bequeathed no. the Patreon to somebody else? to yeah. yeah yeah. That's the only thing I'm leaving to my what to yeah, yeah my Patreon account. <laughs> so you kid, get none money.
0: of my banking, you get the life insurance goes <laughs> to my older brother the diplomat. You can have my Patreon. She'll continue doing my
1: three week, three times a week comedy podcast for five dollars a month if that's what's needed. I don't know, man. It would be uh, uh, something very general about find happiness. You know, like we spend too much time focusing on what's. why why people are doing things that are the wrong that are not exactly how you want them to be doing things right Right. so for example i saw um um this guy posted like hey currently glenn beck is getting thousands of people out of afghanistan you can donate to him and it's true he really is doing it and you can donate to his page here and all these people underneath it were like oh I hate his politics. I would never give money to him. He's right right wing or he's not what I like, you know? And instead of spending that time writing that, find your own person to donate to then. Or do you know what I mean? So like find the happy, find what's happy, not what's.
0: Focus on what makes you happy, not what pisses Uh you off. I like that. Find the happiness or in this case, double happiness. Go out there and see Turner uh, live and in person. He's out there on tour. So make sure you check out his dates at turnersparks. dot com and, and go be happy. Hey, Turner, thanks, Nick. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast.